0: Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Pro Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life, and welcome to our time of prayer, worship, and delving into the Word of God in the Scriptures. We also have during these days a special novena going on for victory in Ohio, the special election August the 8th to make the threshold higher to change their constitution because the pro-abortion people want to change the constitution, put in an unlimited uh, so-called right to abortion. Uh, It was never in that constitution. The framers never intended it. The people never wanted it. They want to force it on the people of Ohio and on the heads of the unborn children. And as one of the steps in stopping that, we need to make it harder to amend the Ohio Constitution. It's too easy right now. Just half of the people plus one are needed to amend it. So uh, they could get that number of people, not that that many people want unlimited abortion, but that they're able to fool enough people uh, to get that many votes. But we don't think they could do it with 60. The threshold for amending the Constitution, according to this August 8th vote, would be 60%. We're going to do our usual scripture lesson. And then I'm going to invite you to pray with me, uh, one of our new prayers at prayercampaign.org, geared towards this Ohio victory, this essential Ohio victory. Many groups working in many different ways to bring this about, and we're proud to be part of that effort. So let's put ourselves in the presence of God and pray. And leave your own intentions, obviously, as always, uh, so we'll all pray for each other. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come to us, Father of life, goodness, truth, salvation. Come to us. You sent us your Son. How is it that you will not give us all good things besides, your Apostle tells us. And so we trust that you give us all good things. Victory in Ohio. Victory for life all everywhere in all our efforts. Forgiveness of sins for which again we repent, Lord God. Uh, and success in all the undertakings that we engage in for the advancement of your kingdom. Bless your people and enable us now to worship you worthily and to understand your word more deeply and to live it more faithfully through Christ our Lord. Amen. Okay. Reading today from the 33rd and 34th chapters of the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. The tent which was called the meeting tent. Moses used to pitch at some distance away outside the camp. Anyone who wished to consult the Lord would go to this meeting tent outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, the people would all rise and stand at the entrance of their own tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses entered the tent, the column of cloud would come down and stand at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. On seeing the column of cloud stand at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise and worship at the entrance of their own tents. The Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as one man speaks to another. Moses would then return to the camp, but his young assistant Joshua, son of Nun, would not move out of the tent. Moses stood there with the Lord and proclaimed his name, Lord. Thus the Lord passed before him and cried out, The Lord, the Lord, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity, continuing his kindness for a thousand generations and forgiving wickedness and crime and sin, yet not declaring the guilty guiltless, but punishing children and grandchildren for the, to the third and fourth generation for their father's wickedness. Moses at once bowed down to the ground in worship. Then he said, If I find favor with you, O Lord, do come along in our company. This is indeed a stiff-necked people. Yet pardon our wickedness and sins and receive us as your own. So Moses stayed there with the Lord for 40 days and 40 nights without eating any food or drinking any water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant the 10 commandments the word of the lord thanks be to god every person has a name that's why by the way i always recommend naming the child in the womb before the child is born because the child in the womb is a person before he or she is born so give them a name if you don't know their gender you can choose two names but at least they have a name and brothers and sisters, this helps us think of them as persons. Well, every person has a name, and when you invoke that name, that that's think about it, that's something special. You don't do that lightly. When you invoke someone's name, you need to be ready for their response. You need to be ready for their presence. You need to be ready to make the invoking of the name worth it, so to speak. Like what do you want? You know, if the person invokes, you invoke the person's name, you're going to get their attention. What do you want? And, and have something good ready for them you invoke a person's name that's connected with their presence bringing about their presence if, they, if you make them pay attention to you you're in some way shape or form bringing about their presence and invoking their name may in fact be part of your effort to bring them physically into your presence if they aren't already so you call somebody up hey come on over come I want to spend some time with you you start with their name. The name invokes the presence of the person. God has a name. And in what, the reason why one of the commandments of God is not to use his name in vain, it's the second commandment, is that it, it, it is involved with his presence. You come into the presence of the Lord. That's an awesome thing. And this is what happened here with Moses. You Notice what he did. He proclaimed his name. Now, we know Yahweh, I am, Lord, Adonai. We know this Lord, this God, has also taken the name Jesus. And we invoke the sacred name of Jesus. Because we want to be in his presence. We want him to be with us. We want to be with him. And there's power there. People always sing in, in, in our Christian faith about the power of the name. You invoke Jesus and and demons flee. You invoke Jesus and truth shines out instead of error. And life is victorious over death. Jesus invokes the name of Lazarus to call him out of his tomb. And he will invoke your name and mine to call us out of our tombs on the last day. Invoking his name. Now notice the circumstances under which he did it. Because what this teaches us a lot about is worship moses would pray at this tent okay the meeting tent as it was called as we just heard notice what all the people did they made it a moment of communal worship now one of the ways in which moses foreshadows jesus christ is this verse here that says he used to speak to god face to face as one man speaks to another We don't talk to God face to face. I mean, we talk to him directly. But it's through faith. We don't see him as he is. We will see him as he is. That's that's what heaven is all about. But now we see him dimly, as scripture tells us, as through a glass, darkly, by faith. We know he's there. We do have the experience of communion with God. But we live by faith. There we will live by sight. But Moses had this unique grace to be able to speak to God in a much more direct, manifest way. And in that sense, he is foreshadowing Christ, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, always in the presence of the Father, equal to the Father. Okay. When Moses prayed, the cloud came. Now, if you go back, we read from... um, we read from the book of Exodus here, chapter uh, 33. But if you go back to chapter 13, when the people were starting this journey out of uh, Egypt, you, um, you see, starting in verse uh, 17, these uh, words. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, though that, though that was near, and then he leads them by, instead by way of the Red Sea. Let me jump down to uh, verse um, uh, 21. And the Lord went before them. Okay, this is as they're journeying, right? The Lord went before them to lead them along. He went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. So the people start journeying. God had led them miraculously out of um, Egypt then he led them miraculously through the Red Sea. God was going to continue to manifest his presence among them. He's gonna give them some kind of visible manifestation because we're human beings, we have a body, we have the five senses, we need to see what's going on. And so he gives them something visible. You know, it's our importance, the importance we give in our faith in the Christian faith to physical things. Well, because God took on flesh himself, we have the sacraments, we have the sacramentals, we have objects that remind us, we have crosses or statues, those aren't gods, they're, they're reminders of the, of, the, of the true God. God himself works this way throughout the Bible, has them build the temple eventually, right, in the Holy Land, the physical temple. He doesn't say, oh, well, you know, I'm always with you, just pray to me spiritually. No. Not only does he have them build the temple, he gives them very, very, very specific instructions about building it, and then very specific instructions about how and when to use it, okay, with the liturgies and the feasts and the sacrifices. Well, here we see some of the early uh, manifestations of how God shows himself physically. And here it's the pillar of cloud. Let me read the verse again. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way. And by night... In a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, verse 22 says, did not depart from before the people. A sign that God himself did not depart. A foreshadowing of Jesus saying, I am with you always until the end of the world. A foreshadowing of what the last book of the Bible says, Revelation looking at the heavenly jerusalem where it says and god will be with them always this is this is the gospel i am with you he shall be called emmanuel a name which means god is with us so the pillar of cloud you can think about look they were in the desert right so the cloud is going to do what shade going to give shade and moisture very important for being in the desert so the cloud would come And Moses would pray. And the people didn't just, oh, let's go about our other activities. Moses is praying now. We'll leave him alone. No. Communal prayer. Communal prayer. The reading makes it so clear. In fact, it says it twice. When they saw the column of cloud stand at the entrance of the tent, friends, they stopped what they were doing. Times of prayer, times in worship need to interrupt the activities that we're doing during the day. And it says, On seeing the cloud, all the people would rise up and worship at the entrance of their own tents. Communal worship. Now, God wants the worship of each of us individually. He wants the faith and trust and obedience of each of us individually. He wants the service of each of us individually. He wants a relationship with each of us individually. But that does not take away the communal dimension of that. THE PEOPLE WORSHIP TOGETHER AT THE SAME TIME, IN THE SAME WAY. SOMETIMES CHRISTIANS DON'T ADEQUATELY UNDERSTAND THE IMPORTANCE OF THIS. GOD WANTS COMMUNAL WORSHIP AS WELL AS THE INDIVIDUAL PRAYER THAT JESUS SAYS, GO TO YOUR ROOM IN PRIVATE, PRAY TO YOUR FATHER IN SECRET. YOUR FATHER WHO SEES IN SECRET WILL REWARD YOU. YES, BUT JESUS ALSO WENT TO THE SYNAGOGUE AND and COMMANDED THE APOSTLES TO COME TOGETHER and do this in memory of me and then we see as the new testament goes on the regular gathering on the lord's day of the of the disciples and the exhortation of scripture do not neglect coming together in prayer you see that in the letter of the hebrews communal worship it's key because god leads us to himself in relationship to one another in a loving relationship with one another, and that, by the way, is one of the many foundations and roots of our pro-life commitment because we're together. We're together, first of all, by our own humanity, and we're together by our faith and by our incorporation into the one body, the living temple, the, the true vine, and we are the branches. It, it, right, all of these images, all of these deep biblical symbols show the reality that we're not, an island unto each other. We are connected. And that's why we care so much for human life, even when it's a stranger. And in that communal worship, we are not only acknowledging the bonds of responsibility that we have for each other's lives, but we're also acknowledging that we need to... um, We need to be leading others to virtue. You know, the gospel passage from um, Matthew uh, chapter 13 says that in the end times, let me just read a verse from here the Son of Man will send his angels on the last day, and they, the angels, will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin. And all evildoers. So there will be a great separation at the end of time. The judgment, right? Some will go to heaven. Some will go to hell. The word says, those who are not going to be going to heaven are those that cause others to sin. This is what is known as scandal. And let me tell you, many have forgotten about it today. Even many religious leaders, they've forgotten what scandal is. You cause others to sin. By bad example, by bad teaching that leaves, leaves people to believe that the sin is okay to do, uh, by, by, in some cases, explicitly telling them that it's okay to do. Better for a millstone to be cast around the neck of one of these givers of scandal and they be cast into the sea, Jesus said, than to lead someone astray. So, you have this contrast here. There are some who lead others to sin. You know, that's why we have such a problem with pro-abortion Catholics in public life. Because not only because abortion itself is, is the most violent act against any human being, the biggest moral evil of our time, but also because in justifying it, they are leading others to do it. They're giving others permission to do it. And they're redefining, which is a role that they do not have, THE BOUNDARIES OF WHAT IT MEANS TO BE A FAITHFUL FOLLOWER OF CHRIST. SOME OF THESE PEOPLE CLAIM TO BE CATHOLIC, OTHERS CLAIM TO BE CHRISTIAN OF OTHER DENOMINATIONS. BUT IN AS MUCH AS THEY'RE SAYING, OH, YES, I'M LIVING MY FAITH, I BELIEVE, BUT, uh," OR I RECEIVE THE sacraments. I GO TO communion. I GO TO MASS, I PRAY MY ROSARY, and then they're supporting abortion, not just allowing it, not just thinking it should be a choice, actually doing things to promote it more and to get us to get, pay for it more and, and, and allow it to be more widely accessible. They're actually doing these things. Meanwhile, calling themselves faithful Christians. So you have a scandal element here. And that's what some leaders today are missing. They, they, they better jump on board and start thinking straight. You allow this scandal. You don't speak up and say, hey, wait a minute, that's wrong. That's a wrong boundary. They're going to be leading other people into sin. Contrast that with the communal worship where we are all in the presence of God together showing each other the value of worship, each standing at his own tent, if you will, and giving that worship to God. What a beautiful thing. What a... An encouragement to our pro-life commitment let's turn back to this lord let's communally pray now for victory in ohio on this upcoming special election and for the victory of life across the board everywhere everywhere in america everywhere in the world again to remind you prayercampaign.org we have a special prayer we are asking you to say between now and august 8th And it's for a special vote. A vote is going on even now. Early voting has been already going on for a few weeks. And what this will do is it will make it harder to change the Ohio Constitution because the pro-abortion people want to change it. And they want to impose unlimited abortion. They want to impose unlimited abortion in Ohio. Imposing it by changing the Constitution. So with this vote on August 8th, people are going to be able to say, well, not so fast. It's not uh, it's not specifically on the amendment that the pro abortion people are proposing. It's on how easy is it should it be to change our Constitution right now? It's pretty easy in Ohio, 50 percent plus one. But in this election now, August 8th, the voters have a chance if they say yes to raise it up to 60%. It's like you want more consensus, that's the idea. You gotta get more people to agree before you make such a major change. That's gonna impact everybody, that's the idea. So this special prayer, let me uh, say it now along with you and you can find it at prayercampaign.org. Let's pray. Lord of life and Father of all, we thank you for the great victories that you have brought us as we work to protect the unborn and their moms, dads, and families from the violence of abortion. Lord, as your people now have more opportunity to shape abortion policy in each state, we see many states restoring protection to our unborn brothers and sisters. We also see abortion forces attempting to expand abortion and even declare it a right under their state's constitution. Lord, we pray today for victory in Ohio as we work to protect its constitution from all those who want to impose a policy of unlimited abortion. We pray in particular for the special election of August 8th, for which the voting is already underway. We pray that the voters will have the wisdom to approve the provision that would make it harder to amend the Constitution by raising the threshold to 60%. As a result of this, Lord God, we pray that the citizens of Ohio will have an even greater appreciation of the importance of their constitution of the impact of amending it and of the need to require strong consensus among the people before changing their most fundamental governing document lord bring victory to the yes vote on august 8th so that it will be more difficult for promoters of abortion to change the ohio constitution later into a ticket to unlimited abortion. May your people speak up for what is right, take action for what is just, and make the sacrifices necessary to preserve the sanctity of life and family. We pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let's pray now in the words that Jesus gave us, as we do so including all of your intentions that you've expressed or that you have in the silence of your hearts. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for ever and ever, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen glory be to the father and to the son and to the holy spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever amen what a joy to pray with you friends your prayers are powerful never doubt that all of us praying together we can have victory in ohio and everywhere else we can abolish abortion and that's the title of one of my books abolishing abortion that's what we need to do that's the driving force behind everything we do here at this ministry that's why I often ask you to support us. Go to ProLifeGift.org, especially if you've never donated to us before. Let this be the day that you start, ProLifeGift.org. But thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the efforts for Ohio and everywhere else. Let's go forward together with confidence. pro leader Frank Pavone here. We will talk to you soon. This has been the End Abortion Podcast.